Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> What's up, everyone? This is Jesse HS, and this is the very first episode of the Heart Guy Media Podcast, the new year, 2018. And this episode, we are dedicating to ranking, discussing, and debating the films and the music of Rob Zombie. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty polarizing figure in the world of in the world of film, for sure. People either love him. Uh, or hate him. There is no in between with uh, people and uh, their opinions of Rob Zombie and the films that he's made. I personally am a huge fan of all. Well, I'm, I think all of his films, um, in one shape or form or fashion, of another. Uh, I do enjoy everything he's done, and uh, there's a lot to talk about, and there's a lot to get into. And I do have uh, some friends that are going to be on this episode. Um, if the sound quality's a little different, uh, I'm recording in a big room right now, a big living room. Um, so there isn't like a lot of, uh, there might be a little echo or something, so I apologize for that, but you'll be able to hear everyone, and that's the most important part. But yeah, it's, uh, I was kind of up in the air about what I, how, what I wanted to do for the first episode of the, the first episode of the new year. And uh, Rob Zombie seemed like a, a pretty good choice. I mean, there's plenty to talk about, and he crosses both the barriers that we mainly cover on this podcast, both both horror movie uh, and or just film in general, and music, of course. Uh, always been a fan of his music as well. So um, and I know some of my guests aren't fans of his music or just haven't listened to enough of it to consider you know themselves fans enough of his film or his uh, music. And then uh, I know Eric, uh, Mr. E.T., is a uh, pretty uh, decent fan of his music as well, so uh, I'll be able to discuss uh, ranking his music with him, and all of us are fans of his films, so it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what everybody's opinion on his films and where they rank them, what's their favorite. Uh, you know, like I said, he's kind of had a pretty polarizing 
career film-wise and having like a big uh um, he still holds the labor day record is the um the halloween remake the 2007 halloween remake um you know, reimagining uh whatever you want to call it um there's no denying that that film uh definitely did uh did well and people did enjoy it um but yeah it's gonna be a very uh cool oh yeah something i did want to mention uh, when I did the list, I didn't have a full music, did I have a full music? No, yeah, I had a full music top ten, but I did, did not have, uh, there were some that I didn't, uh, mention that I wanted to mention, and, uh, I did like, uh, a lot, and at first I didn't like it as much as their older stuff, but I did like, uh, Makes Me Sick, the newer Newfound Glory record. It didn't really make my top. Uh, which is kind of unusual for one of their records. Um, but I did uh, enjoy it, and I did uh, like it a lot. Um, also, the uh, the new Power Trip, I've slowly been listening to. Um, so I definitely uh, I did, definitely dig that record. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what new music's coming out uh, this year. Uh, I know there's a new Twi- Twitching Tongues record. I'm a huge fan of that band. Um, and their new record's coming out. Uh, let's see. I think... Uh, who else has music coming out this year? I'm not sure. But, yeah, we're going to... We're going to dive right into the podcast. Uh, Rob Zombie. Like I said, pretty polarizing figure. It's going to be real interesting to dive in and see what these uh these delinquents that i have on my show frequently uh what they think about them what they uh, what their feelings are on uh, mr rob zombie so without uh without further ado let's uh let's kick into it The Tyler Brothers and John Engel here, Mr. Eric Scott Tyler. Hello. And, uh, of course, Brian C. Tyler. Hey. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? And, and of course, uh, Mr. John Engel. John Angel what Angel. What does stand for Brian's name? Christopher. Crip. Oh, okay. I, ne- I never knew that. Crip Keeper. <laughs> Brian, Brian Crip Keeper Tyler. So, Rob Zombie, let's uh, let's uh, let's go through. What's the first film everyone saw? I mean, obviously, I think it's House of Thousand Corpses, right? Is that everyone's first film they saw by Rob Zombie? Correct. Yes. 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 Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, I believe. Uh, 
when I first heard about that movie, was super uh, jacked up, and uh, just because obviously we know Rob Zombie from his music, you know, before that, more for his music. Yeah, and that uh, we always knew he was influenced by horror, so it was uh, definitely intriguing when I first heard about that movie to see what uh, what would come of it. So yeah, and he was. Uh, I mean, the film was made in two thousand. It wasn't released until two thousand three. Right. And there was. Uh, it was initially going to be released by Universal. And then Universal didn't like it. Got hit with an NC-17 rating, and Universal wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, and then you know it took a while for Lionsgate to get their fucking hands on it. But I remember going to see it in theaters to a whopping I think uh, four people in the theater besides myself and two friends. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, fucking Brian. Didn't they? Was that the one that they cut like? extreme amount like it's pretty much a different movie was it that one or was it the devil's rejects no it's that one he shot like like he pretty much shot like what he thought would appease the studio and then at the same time he shot like the you know the most extreme version of each scene that he possibly could more or less but uh let's uh i guess we'll we'll jump around here what's uh we'll, we'll go to the ranking now there's seven has anyone not seen any of the films I've never seen his animated film. The Haunted World of El Superbisto. I don't remember that movie at all. Oh, I've seen it. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen them all. The only thing I haven't seen is like his... Uh, is like, he did like a TV show, right? Yeah. Didn't he do a couple... What was it? Let me look here. CSI. Did an episode of CSI. I yeah. never saw that. Really? I don't know where that. Yeah. So yeah. we'll go with his... Uh, we'll go with his six films. We'll exclude The Haunted World of El Superbisto because not everyone's seen it. But let's go, uh, let's go, each person go around the room and, uh, rank his films. Uh, you know, the six films. I'll go first, since fucking no one's ready. Uh, so... You're, this is your podcast, you're supposed to lead and tell us when to talk. Watch Tom, your tongue. Yeah, watch your tongue, keeper. Brian. Um, Brian so... Keeper, Tyler. Number, uh, number six... Speaking loud, clear tones, too. I don't want to fucking get shitty audio on this. Who's not speaking clear? I'm just saying. He some, says that every time. Sometimes Brian's got fucking marbles in his mouth. I can, every time I listen to the podcast, I can hear my I think those are eight bones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, uh, this is my list from six, uh, six to one. Okay. Not including Hunter World of El Superbisto, which would be number six. In a top seven, but we're only doing a six. Oh, we're no six in the top seven. What would be lower than that? Thirty-one. Oh yeah, that movie sucks. <laughs> Hold on, you'll get your turn. <laughs> Hold on. So, uh, I, my list, I got thirty-one, number six, uh, Lords of Salem, five, Halloween, four, three, House of a Thousand Corpses, two, Devil's Rejects, one. I know there's going to be a lot of controversy, at least maybe not amongst this group, but amongst other people, because I think people consider this his worst film, mm-hmm. but Halloween 2 is my number one. Number one, I like it. So, Eric. My, my awesome, that's awesome, my number one. I'm with you. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm not Eric, but I just... I'm going to go, yeah, so I guess from six to... One. The six to one, I would probably do... I'm going to put Lords of Salem at six for me. Okay. That movie, I felt like could have been. I, I wanted so much more from it, and then there was just some like 
maybe I just don't get it, but there were some just really confusing scenes that I felt like were just like someone who was like high or as a kite, and they're like, oh, let's do this. Uh, this scene sounds funny. Let's do this one. So I'm going to put that at six. I'll put, uh, I'll put 31 at five. Um, I'll do Halloween at four. I'll do Devil's Rejects three. I'll do H two two, and then um, we'll do House of a Thousand Corpses one. I think. Interesting. The re- I mean, I love H two, and that's debatably my number one. But maybe just because it's kind of a you know a remake of, of sorts, I'll put his uh, his uh, original stuff number one. So Eric, okay. whatever you love the most should be number one. All right, it's debatable. <laughs> All right, still stick with House of a Thousand Corpses. So, John. Hey, what's your list? I'm fro- I'm frozen out. We ain't got we ain't doing video, pal. You're only here for audio. Okay, but but can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. All right. All right, whose turn is it? Your turn. All right, number one, Halloween two. <laughs> number two, House of a Thousand Corpses. Three, Devil's Rejects. Four. Uh, I'm gonna go Halloween. Five. Towards Salem. Six. Thirty-one. It's a good list. I like it. I wouldn't even include thirty-one if I if I uh, if I could get away. Wait, with what it. was your number two? I'm sorry, Bridget and fucking Brian were opening gushers because they're fucking nine. <laughs> My number two is uh. Is Devil, uh, I mean, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay. Halloween 2, then House of a Thousand Corpses. Nice. Brian? Yes. Let's hear him. Should I do it backwards or forwards? It, it does not matter. Okay, we'll do it half and half, and I'll do what John did. So my number one is Lords of Salem. I'm sorry. Number two, The Devil's Rejects. What's wrong Three. here? Three? Mm. Halloween 2. Oh, I thought you were going to keep counting down. Okay. 3 was Halloween 2. 4 was House of a Thousand Corpses. 5, Halloween 6, 31. Guys, I got a butt in here. Let's hear it. I'm not going to eat next Lords time. of Salem is your number one Rob Tyler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of all the stuff he's done, Lords of Salem is your number one. And I think it's all... I think he's got some weird fucking fetish with Meg Foster. He lo- I was just going to say, he <laughs> loves Meg Foster. That's what it is. Well, 31's my least favorite, and she's in that. So. Yeah, but she's naked in <laughs> Lords of Salem. So we know how you do with naked older women. You fucking... Your knees buckle. Yeah, yeah. Meg Foster would straighten Brian out real quick. <laughs> Brian would put on the fucking sunglasses what, uh, for her, I'll tell you she that. She looks really good in that movie. Here's something I was, I was curious about. I'm going to look it up in a second here on IMDb. Especially when she was covered in dirt. What is the, the, I wonder what the, what's the movie that he had the biggest budget for? I wonder. I think Halloween and Halloween 2 had, the same, just, bu- had the same budget, so. I think I just looked in, House of a Thousand Corpses, I think, was seven million. Yeah. But, uh, I wonder what his biggest budget was. I think it was fifteen. I think 15, which was both the budget for Halloween and Halloween 2. Can I defend Lords of Salem? You ain't gonna defend it. I love it, but I don't think it's his number one film. 
But go no, ahead. Let's see here. Defend. Okay. Are you no, going to defend? Whoa. Come on. Explain here. This is oh, the worst not... defense I've ever heard. This is fucking... Come on, quit stuttering, you prick. I love witchcraft movies. It reminded me of, like, Black Sunday mixed with Suspiria, mixed with Inferno, mixed with a Rob Zombie movie. Well, that explains it. It reminds me of an Argento film. <laughs> Sherry Moon Zombie, that's her best performance as Heidi Hawthorne. What? You think it's better than Baby and Devil's Rejects? Yeah, because it's or, not or, like... Or, or House of a Thousand. It's a layered character, and she handles it very well. I love her as Baby, but... Let's be honest, there's not much to Baby, is there? Are you kidding? There's not much beneath the surface. Baby. She fucking tries to tickle fucking, uh, what's his name? What's what's the dude's name that has the band? What And what the fuck's the guy's band name? Oh my god, relax. The actor's name is Jeffrey Lewis. Okay, I'm asking about his fictional, well, or his non-character's <laughs> name. Nobody cares about the actor. So I just looked, yeah, the Halloween movies. Banjo and Sullivan. The Halloween yeah. movies were his biggest budgets at 15, but then the studio shit on him after that because... Well, they rushed... Here's the thing. Do you uh, know think, how much uh, money this says 31 awesome, made uh, in its opening weekend? Yeah, like two grand. Two <laughs> grand. <laughs> it didn't have a wide release, though. Two, two grand? It's even a, not a wide release. <laughs> two grand, that's like... <laughs> it's only made $700,000. So What he, did? 31. He spent, uh, <laughs> it says his estimated... Did that much? $1.5 million it cost to make. Lord of Salem, $2.5 million. Yeah, but he crowdfunded that. He I'm, not talking. I'm just wondering what they, what they, the budgets and how much they made. So, hold on. Well, let's, before we go any further, I want to discuss this. He's single-handedly responsible for reviving the career of Bill Mosley and reintroducing, you know, him and Sid Haig to people who, you know, those guys, without the Rob Zombie films that they've been in, I don't think they're as active as they are in the convention circuit they are now. Oh, I don't think they would have gotten as many jobs as they have gotten since, you know, well, House I, of a I Thousand Corpses on. I don't think anybody on. honestly would have known who Sid Haig was because, you know, a lot of his stuff, like Spider Baby, right, which, um, that was that, that that was ages ago. Yeah, exactly, ages ago, and he was in a, he was in a, a lot of stuff, but I definitely agree with you, like, I love Mosley and I love Hag and I think they're very talented. But obviously, I'm sure they would even say themselves that he revived them. I mean, or not revived. I shouldn't say that. But look at all the look at all the movies you saw Bill Mosley in after after those. Oh yeah, he, he was he was in 900 things after so after that. And I honestly I can't say it's a bad thing, right? And. I'm, not at all. I mean, because obviously Bill Mosley had tons of credits before he started doing. Uh, before we started, he started doing, uh, you know, Rob Zombie's films. But right. they definitely like that character of Otis Driftwood definitely brought him back to the in the fold, as far as being at the forefront of the genre. I mean, he's and a lot of actors like. We lost. Hey, you're back. Sorry, I had to take a brief pause to admire <laughs> Rob Zombie's work. So, wouldn't they... He gave Karen Black her last great horror role, right? She Karen, wasn't yeah. in yeah. very many horror movies. And not even just... Like, there's other people. You say Ken Foray. He has Ken Foray in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Meg Foster. He's used Barryman. Yeah, no, he, he's a resurrector of uh, Nothing Happens. Well, yeah. I think what it is, too, is like he... He's using people that 
he loved, obviously, like he, that he's seen in movies that he loved. So I thought that I always think that's cool, and you're kind of helping out someone that you admire. And it seems like he's definitely done that. So when you look at Halloween, look at how many freaking cameos are in that film. Udo Kier, you know, Rod Howard, yeah. brother. No Yuli Lomo though. No R.I.P. You know, he threw um, threw Daniel Harris in there. I mean, yeah, I mean that resurrected her career. Yeah, I mean yeah, she's Brad Dourif. Dourif, yeah. yeah, I mean D. Wallace. D. Wallace. Who's Yuli Lomo again? <laughs> He's the director no, that we were. That's a separate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he did like the Black Dahlia. That's a whole not the De Palma movie, but yeah, the Black Dahlia movie. And he, he does, of like, course he did DC players. Sniper. Yeah, well, also, Lords of Salem, I think, has some of the most relatable characters in all of his listen, movies. Listen, not the most entertaining. I or Brian's been colorful. sitting on the Lords of Salem. Uh, for you asked me to defend it, and then you cut me off. So I'm calm. So that's what it is. You got to take that thing off. Let's uh, let's talk. I'm not I gone. just want to say something about Lords of Salem. I want to keep touching on it. Yeah. I think the plot of that movie is rad as hell. Like I think it's such a ra- like. This mysterious fucking record shows up. They play it like the like everything about it is cool. But I just feel like it was so. I don't know. I just felt like it could have been so much more than than what it was, in my opinion. And D. Wallace, Patricia Quinn, and Joe, Judy Geeson and Meg Foster, they were all fabulous as witches. Oh well, yeah, it was a cool. I mean, I, mean, I don't I think they. I mean, they didn't have a lot of on-screen time. Like what do you say? Say that again. He was. You were comparing it to Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I said you didn't think that it was sort of a, a imitation on Blansky's Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't throw that name out there along with Black Sunday and the others, because the plot is. Yeah. I'll say. Well, I'll, I'll say this, and I I hey, think the I, last time you're I watched it. Everyone. You bastard. Well, you calm down. You're losing... Your fucking house is lit like Clown House right now. Fucking... Um, um, what the fuck is I saying? The last time I watched it, I rewatched it with you, Brian. And I will say, every time I watch that movie, I like it more and more. Right. Yeah, because I didn't know how I felt about it the first time. That's the thing. I like it more and more each time I watch it. Yeah. I Same here. And honestly, that might have been... If I'd never rewatched that movie... Because I still haven't watched re- 31. I've only... I haven't rewatched it yet. I watched the one viewing after I bought it, and that was it. Um, I do want to revisit that one, but I will say the more I probably have four or five viewings of Lords of Salem now, and every time I like it more and more. It's great. Eric, I have a question for you. Oh, but it's not hard. Well, what are the what were the other scenes that like really bothered you? I know the dildo scene bothered you. Wait, no. what? Oh, yeah, yeah, The dildo scene really bothers me, because I don't understand. Like, for A, can you... I, I don't even recall it. Could you explain it to me, why it needed to be in there? <laughs> I can't explain to you why it needed to be in there, but or I why also... It, it bothered could you, though? Could you I tell also, me what like, it even was? I, did, I forget. I don't remember any dildos. I felt like it was just like him, like, I gotta do something really... Was it like weird. being in a doll world? No, not like that. We're like, oh, oh my God, oh it my was God a dildo. No, it wasn't like that. It was just like... What, why is this happening? And like, I just don't understand it. It's like, and I feel like sometimes things get pushed to like a certain level just because you feel like they have to be pushed to a certain level. Like this, that whole scene, I didn't. I just felt I don't know. I just like it didn't make any sense. I feel I like that's. Why. I feel like that's part of his. Mo. 
Yeah, I feel like that's part of his charm. Yeah. That's like with certain guys that just have certain stuff in their films all the time. And that's the thing. He's unapologetic about having oh, yeah. like the trashy like characters like the, and the trashy language. Yeah, and he loves like the rape, like rapey vibes. And I mean, Let's look see. at look at the devil's yeah, the devil's rejects. I mean, that's stuff, like those scenes in the hotel room are you know they're pushing a like a like you said like a unapologetic like just like no holds barred vibe. You know. But what I, mean? I will just, say, with he's the most sophisticated, I think, pulling off the trashiness in Devil's Rejects because. Bill Mosley, it literally, he kills that because we've all yeah. met him. He's not that guy at all. He's very like, like fun loving. Is really like accommodating to his fans. Yeah, like he's also yeah, he's, he's so super smart. the fact that he could hold uh, you know, a a gun, a handgun to a woman's uh, vagina and then say out oh, later tell her <laughs> tell her love interest, the old Banjo and Sullivan guy, yeah. that oh I hope it doesn't rust the barrel like. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Maybe like, one of the greatest lines in all of his films. But yeah, he I did. think Lords of Salem is the least amount of like trashy dialogue. As absolutely no like. But it also has her characters. going down on a priest too, though. Yeah, <laughs> in a church. <laughs> so, what movie was the dildo scene in? Lords of Salem. Were they dildos or were they just like really fun colored dicks? Which is a dildo. <laughs> Hashtag fun color dicks on the on the priest. What's a fun color? Describe a fun color. Red. Yeah. Fuchsia. Why do you have to ask that question? I want clarification. They were attached to the priests with the demon faces. So I think when I first watched it, is there some weird thing with like a baby, like a little baby too? The baby's like yeah, like a crucified baby. Yeah, I don't know. I just, so I thought that entire scene was just supposed to be her hallucinating. That's interesting. I can see that maybe. Like that they're performing the ritual on her, and that's what she sees in her head. That's what. That's how Fun I. Uncolored builds. Now that I'm, I have like a minute to talk. I got to explain that to you. Angle, what the fuck's going on over that's there? That's my theory. John, are you okay? What is he doing? What are you doing staring at the fucking thing? It sounds like you're in the fucking room with oh, with fucking James Caan in misery. This is like that <laughs> This is like that Friend Request movie where he's gonna get murdered. Um so let's talk about obviously I think his most successful venture has been the remake, the reimagining of Halloween. Something, you know, him and Carpenter had uh like a misunderstanding, I guess they've straightened it out, where fucking um you know, I guess Rob Zombie said that Carpenter came off, like, kind of cold and, like, or whatever. But when Carpenter, had, his rebuttal was, you know, I, I wasn't cold. I said, you know, make it your own. Right. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of controversy as to, you know, you know, is it, you know, is it a film that in, can hold its own on its own and tell its own story? And people didn't like the backstory, but I think, I think it's great. And and we are gonna after we talk about the, you know, his Halloween 2007 Halloween, I really want to touch upon Halloween too because I think that is his best film, uh, bar none. Yeah, I think it's definitely it's you know I think it's a great movie and I think commercially it was his best movie.
2007 was it still holds the Labor Day weekend record for uh, for you know, a mo- any movie and on Labor Day weekend it still holds that crown. So really? it's yes, it does. That's crazy. It's nuts. That is crazy. Um, but what was your initial thoughts after when you went and saw the movie in theaters? Did everyone see it in theaters? Yes, correct. Jeff. Okay. So what were your initial thoughts after you saw it? Uh, Besides, Sean looks identical <laughs> to the young Michael Myers, and he is Ronnie White. That was my main takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess initially when I first left, I, I kind of was up and I didn't really know how to feel about it. I actually kind of maybe a little negative about it at first. I don't know. Maybe because I, I love the original so much. and I A little negative? I mean, I, I like the movie, but... You hated you know, it. No, no, no. It's like, uh, not like, I don't know, I was just like, I was in between about it. Like, there's certain things I liked, certain things I didn't like. I thought it was really, co- like, it's always cool to see a person's take on, uh, on some, like, a, a, a different idea, someone else's idea. And he definitely put his stamp on it, because it's obviously much different than the originals. But it took me a lot of, uh, I watched it a bunch to really embrace it fully, I think. I don't know. Like, my first viewing, like I said, in between on it, so... Brian, first thoughts. Back back then, every movie was either like in theaters. I absolutely loved it, or I was bored and I hated it. So I loved it at the time. But now, but now you hate it. Now I hate it. You hate it really? No, I just knew you were gonna jump to that <laughs> conclusion. Now it's like mixed. I don't know. I like it a lot, but it has a lot of flaws. But I like it a lot. I don't think I it really. I don't think it has flaws. I think it's a great movie. I think the cast is amazing. I think Scout, Scout Taylor Compton's amazing as Laurie Strode. I think Daniel Harris is amazing as Annie. I think you know Brad Dorf obviously cast. He has the bigger role in H two, uh, where he kind of shines and he's kind of the shining star, of the unsung hero of uh, the sec the sequel. You think it's one hundred percent flawless? I don't have, I mean, I don't, there's nothing where I'm like, he shouldn't have fucking done that. Like, it's his oh, own take. It's a that. Rob well, Zombie, I mean, it's a Rob Zombie like... take on Michael Myers. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't Halloween, if that guy wasn't wearing the Halloween mask, you know, the, the Shatner fucking Michael Myers yeah. mask, it's a fucking amazing film. But because it's tied to that. Well, right, yeah. And I, I think, mean, like, I know me personally, and I, I don't, I don't mean to do it but like i said when it's when i love the original so much like you hold that in a regard you know like high yeah. regard so yeah I, but does it affect how you feel it never it never no, not it never it takes away yeah. from anything else like it doesn't take away from the original halloween no no, no yeah it, with but, me though like the at least the last couple times i watched it i think the first half is really good it's like pure rob zombie like his take on how Michael Myers grew up, and it's really interesting, I think. And then in the second half, when it become, it goes into remake territory, and they do things that you saw in the original, then I, it starts to make me just want to watch the original. Because I think, you know, all of it was done better in the original, and now it just feels kind of rushed. But I'm not saying it's bad. I think no matter what, it re reignited the love for the Halloween franchise 
and it re it reintroduced Michael Myers to people who hadn't seen him before. People who knew, you know, they knew what Michael Myers looked like. You know, they knew the mask, they knew the movie Halloween, but they didn't know the character. And I think it probably reintroduced a lot more people into the original franchise. Yeah, I mean, you got to think a lot of the younger kids probably hadn't seen it. It was a gateway for them to see the John. Yeah, I mean, we see. Rob Zombie Halloween tattoos. We see so many, so much artwork that's still getting signed by these people. Yeah, so. Sean's vocabulary he is literally. <laughs> how about uh, how about you, Angle? Though, how do you feel about H one? Honestly, I, I feel the exact way Brian just described. As far as uh, I really like how Rob put his own stamp on the film. For the first, it's probably honestly even longer than the first half. It's, you know, it's probably like the first hour of the film is just the backstory and then his escape from the asylum. And then it's really only sort of like the last, uh, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes are Laurie Strode and, you know, her babysitting. And, and then really, like Brian said, it gets uh, into direct comparison to the original because it's it, after that that whole backstory, that whole asylum um, piece, it's really just uh, uh, a retelling of the exact uh, story from Carpenter's film with the the three babysitters. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know... Or two babysitters and then just not the hot chick. But that film, like, single-handedly, like, thrusted, uh, no pun intended... Uh, thrusted Daniel Harris back into the the light of, you know, the horror genre. Because after that, you know, she's obviously in the sequel. She's in... Uh, Hatchet 2 and 3. Hatchet 2 and 3. She's in... Uh, was, it, was it Blood Knight? Yeah. Blood Knight. Blood Knight. She's in... Uh, Stakeland. Stakeland. Uh, Lady Rest 2. Lady Rest 2. She went on a rip after Has that movie came... Has a horror film? Yeah, Just yeah. Friends. Among Friends. Among Friends. Just Friends is with Ryan Reynolds. Oh my god, a great movie. <laughs> I love that movie. A fucking amazing movie. Uh, was, I have a question, though, funny. for everyone. What is everyone's first time they ever were introduced to Rob Zombie at all? Like At all? Not just movies or like... Uh, first time ever introduced to Rob Zombie is Beavis and Butthead when Thunderkiss 65 is played. The music yeah. video is played. And, you know, Beavis and Butthead are obviously making fun of uh, everything that was ever on MTV. Uh, which exactly. they should reintroduce Beavis and Butthead making fun of reality shows they on MTV. Now it'd be Butthead fucking back. amazing. Remember when they brought it back? How hilarious it was for like yeah, they, like they five did episodes. It's amazing. It was like, but uh, yeah, they did because they had him watching Jersey Shore and shit, yeah, didn't yeah. they? Oh my god, they Team did. That's Bob. right. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, it was definitely that, and then like finding out, and then seeing uh, White Zombie in Airheads. I became obsessed yeah. with Airheads at a young age. You know, ninety four. I was I was still. Uh, relatively young, um, but I remember seeing that. And I was like, "Fuck!" I was yeah, like, yeah. "That's uh, that's that band's fucking awesome." And then obviously, when he put out uh, "Hellbilly Deluxe" yeah. in '98, it was all over. It was all over the radio. Yeah, like you know, every the Living Dead Girl and fucking Dragula and the music videos were you know on on Music Choice and all that shit. So. That's when I really, the late 90s is when I really dived into, you know, his musical work. So when he, as soon as I got announced that he was making a film, I was all in. How many horror movies was Rob Zombie on the soundtrack of in the late 90s? 
a lot. Right. right? Well, it fucking Living Dead Girl is in like twelve for, movies. Yeah. <laughs> and an episode of Angel. Really. My first. The, when I was first introduced to Rob Zombie, it was because Eric listened to Rob Zombie. Because back then, I think I listened to, like, R&B music. TLC, K-Sweat. You know. Yeah. SWV. I don't remember. Yeah. R&B was really at its peak in the 90s. I, I know, <laughs> like, none of your listeners can relate to that at all. How do you, why do you say that? Why do you, why do you try oh, to... Because I'm pigeonholed. <laughs> I'm pigeonholed. I heard that guy. I thought this was a place a where we can put people of, uh, in a box and TLC, be politically yeah. correct. So you were introduced because through me, you're saying. Yes, you. You're welcome. And I remember. Telling was it you, really Bride of Chucky though? Because you know you Bride? were fucking all about Bride. Alexis Arquette in that. Wait, Labatite no, Morte. <laughs> Let me fucking talk. <laughs> and we have a BT meltdown. I have a cute little story. <laughs> all right, let's hear it. You Were you wearing black webbings on your hands? Jesse. Or I'll never come back to your podcast again. Well, it's fucking impossible to get you here on time anyway, all right, all right. dick. Eric picks me up. Well, either way, go. Okay. I don't even want to tell my story now, but I'm going to. So Eric always used to tell on me if I watched anything with like swearing or nudity in it. <laughs> or listen to anything with cursing in it. We're brothers. So cool. when yeah. I heard Dragula... And Eric was listening to it. I, you know how lyrics didn't have to make sense to you when you were a kid. No, you just, and you just what you assumed. Heard. Yeah. So I thought he said, "Dig through the bitches," and I told on Eric. And now the, I mean, that's the end of the story. That's a great story. I was wrong. I, I can't remember. He didn't get in trouble. My, our parents he were didn't very. Get in trouble uh, because they were there, and they're like, "That's not what he's saying, Brian." Our parents were very. Uh, they weren't too. They let us get away with a lot, I'd say. So, especially when it came to watching movies and, and music, I was pretty. Yeah, my parents didn't give a fuck. Uh, how about you, Angle? Though, how was it? What was the first time you ever uh, were introduced to um, Rob Zombie? Was it Power Man Five Thousand, his brother? Oh, I used. To, I. Yeah. Power Man 5000? What the hell's that? You ever fucking Worlds Collide, motherfucker? What's that? <laughs> you seen Little Nicky? What's the... No, no, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't remember so. being exposed to his music at all. I'm sure, I, I'm sure I heard it in movies. I wasn't really familiar with him as a musician. Um, I had heard... I mean, obviously, I would heard his name. Uh, I, I didn't know any of his music. And then it wasn't until... Yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses came out. Excuse me, and I was like, I gotta see this. This is, uh, this this looks awesome. And that was, uh... Engel, you look like fucking Albert Fish right now from fucking House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, though. So, so his movies... <laughs> he just I mean, looks directly to the camera and goes... <laughs> uh... That's interesting that you, the first, uh, I think it's cool that your first uh, introduction to him would be through his movies. I think that's pretty cool. Because I bet you're in the mi- minority in that one. Yeah, so. for sure. No. Oh, yeah. So how I was introduced was, luckily, I had some some cousins when I was really young into some really, some they listened to metal and stuff. But I think the very first time I ever was introduced, I went to my uncle. What are you guys looking at here? I'm fucking looking at John no. fucking checking out his 5 o'clock shadow. Do we not want me to tell my story? <laughs> I'm I paying won't. attention to you. Pay attention to him. Listen no, that's no big deal. I went over to my uncle's house for uh, 
for like Christmas or something. My uncle Jim, his name is. It's my mom's brother, and he's uh, he's always been known as like a wild man. But uh, he has, and I always I was getting into like metal music at that time. I started listening to like Metallica. You know, this was probably when I was like eleven, twelve, and uh, he had his CDs were out. And I was always looking through his CDs, and he had uh, the CD uh, La Sexorcisto by White Zombie, and obviously there's like the really good looking blonde girl on the cover. And I asked him about it, and obviously Uncle Jim's like, oh, yeah, there's a white zombie, let's listen to this. And he threw it in, and we listened to it. And then I was I was pumped after I heard that, but then I went to, there used to be a music store in the Glenwood Plaza. Do you remember that music store? Vaguely. It's like a really tiny music shop. Yeah. I can't, I don't remember the name, but. I remember. We used to go there all the time, and I went, I talked to my parents to take me there, and then I bought Astro Creep 2000, which came out in like 95, so it was yeah. like, maybe it had been out for like a year or something. And then after that was like the first album I bought, and that's what really like I was obsessed with that record. Before we and touch on, before we touch on, because obviously you and I are like the bigger music fans of the bunch. Before we touch on, uh, I love music just as much as you. No, do. I'm talking. Calm down. No, no, you don't, motherfucker. Yeah, we just listen to different music. All right. How do we listen to different yeah, music? If you want, if you want to fucking. Anyways, Astro Creep 2000. off, I'll, I'll take you. What? <laughs> So, what was, what's your favorite album that he's been associated with, Eric? It's either, it's Astro Creep 2000 when it comes to White Zombie, and it's definitely, I mean, Hellbilly Deluxe, when that first came out, like, I was so obsessed with, like, because he'd broken off, and he was, like, such a, obviously his stage presence, and, like, what he looked like oh, was yeah. so awesome, and I remember that album was, like, huge, like, people were obsessed with that, and then, I remember it was in, like, video games, and you saw it everywhere. Oh, like, yeah. That was probably, um... And then after that, I don't know, maybe, um, is it Educated Horses? I really like that album. El- Educated Horses is underrated. Uh, the song American Witch. Oh, that song is... I like, want to fucking kill that people. Actually that actually might arguably be, like, in my top five songs that he's a part of. I think oh, that's yeah, awesome. definitely. And uh, I was also super obsessed, because we talk about Beavis and Butthead again, is, uh, like, the scene in Beavis and Butthead where they're, like, tripping out in the desert and they play... Oh, music. yeah. And he did the animation for that. Yeah, and he did the song. Man, what white zombie song is that? It's escaping me now, but that's like, that's so awesome. I was obsessed with that song too. Yeah, I used to have that soundtrack, the Beavis and Butthead Do It America soundtrack. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will second your Astro Creep 2000. Yeah, that fucking record is amazing. And uh, you know, putting the horror samples all through it, obviously that was even more yeah. perpetuated. Yeah, like, like such a like, like I said, when you're so young too, it's like you never really hear anything. Like that like i said i was just getting into like heavy music i never heard anything like that really. yeah you know like i look like my cousins were huge into metallica so i'd heard metallica and they were big into pantera and i heard pantera but like uh when i heard white zombies just it was different you know what i mean because they kind of have that like almost like it's metal but it has like almost like an industrial vibe oh yeah definitely too, so definitely uh it was really it's really awesome so uh let's talk halloween too is hated, I think, by the vast majority of uh, horror movie fans. For whatever reason, I'm not sure the hate, but it incorporated so much that I liked. As far as like him, obviously hiring, uh, I can't, his name's escaping me right now. The dude What's that it? did Captain Clegg and the Night Creatures. What's that dude's name? Uh, I don't. But hiring that dude to fully write a full album of songs for the movie yeah. that are like rockabilly punk horror yeah. white trash like fucking amazing um that 
with the whole style of the movie, the movie in it, and John, because it's your number, John and I had that both at number one. Yours was House of a Thousand Corpses. Yours was Lords of Salem, correct? Yes. Okay. So, but we all are in agreement that Halloween 2. Yeah. Issue was my number two. It's is, is amazing. It's amazing. And I know, you know. We're getting. People's minds are fucking kind of boggled and, and burning up right now because I know for a fact people are people think that shit's whack. And they can't they can't get down with the fucking they can't get down with Halloween and they sure as shit don't want to get down with Halloween too. I mean, if, but if you're like a horror fan and you like Rob Zombie, what if you hate H two? Then what is your favorite? Is it House of a Thousand Corpses? Is what you're saying? Where are you going? I will speak when spoken to. Oh my god! Oh, get get the here. fuck over here! Gotta cheese it! You like fucking you, rat! Like you said about H two though, I love everything about it just because, and I love the vibe it gives off. If that makes sense, like the. Like, I love the whole, like, party scene with Captain Clay. Yeah, love, that, the uh, whole aesthetic to the movie that, like, is... Like, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Daniel Phillips up there dresses Vincent uh, okay. Price, Price from, from uh, Madhouse there. Yeah. And uh, everything about that movie I love. I love... And I, and I think the cinematography in all of his I movies... I actually never put that together, Eric, until you just said that. There you go. Look at that. Putting shit um, together. As far as uh, his, his costume there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I just think he did a great job of that, and I love, and not even just with H2O, but I love how he gives, because with the original movies, Michael Myers is more, it's not, I'm not saying it's not violent, but it's more psychological, and it's kind of like suspenseful. Yeah. He turns Michael Myers into just like a straight, brutal madman, and like the kill scenes are obviously much, you hear Michael Myers, like, and then the kills, like, making noise, like, you know, like. Grunting. Yeah, like, you really. He really takes what about him, him killing that one woman who then, like, a, a year later won an Oscar? Yeah, yeah, that Octavia... Like, I can't remember her Spencer. last name. Spencer. Spencer, her, yeah. yeah. She's, like, but a renowned actress now. When she, she goes... Just in, yeah. she, comes out, yeah. she was just in Guillermo <laughs> del Toro's new movie. But... Yeah, he turned Rob Zombie, or Rob Zombie turned Michael Myers into more of an animalistic killer, which I liked. But the whole psychological element to it too with Lori and them you know it's all about them coping with the events and then obviously re getting reintroduced to those events and again with him going on a fucking rampage again but Malcolm McDowell obviously he reintroduced Malcolm McDowell too you gotta think with the Halloween the first Halloween that he did yeah he definitely and with this one he was obviously in 31 and Oh he's yeah. Started to see him. I know he's like had that stint on Entourage. Yeah, yeah. So I don't he know definitely... if that was before those movies. I don't even know the timeline. He resurrected him too. Even though yeah, he stopped sure. my boy Brian here. I'm over it. <laughs> so, what's uh? So I remember, I remember going to the theater. Now they rushed Halloween too. They rushed Halloween too. Uh. Rob Zombie wanted to wait until the end of September, early October to release it. The Weinsteins, huh, uh, said, <laughs> said, uh, uh, did, did, I, I, do you think Rob Zombie actually pulled some fucking dark half shit and just wrote Harvey Weinstein <laughs> as one of his characters and he just turned into that? It might, you know what? It might be. Old Harv uh, obviously forces his hand, no pun intended, on a lot of things, so... <laughs> Isn't that amazing, though, that Halloween 2 was rushed, but it doesn't feel at all like a mess? It doesn't right. feel rushed? It feels like feels like a lot of time was put into it. feels well composed. but Yeah, I mean, I think those movies are very big, if that makes sense. They're very, you know, you could tell he 
he like you said he had the big budget for it, the bigger budget for those movies and I think uh, yeah they don't feel rushed to me at all. But it's it's funny because that movie. Why do you think that movie's so hated? Because obviously I remember going to the theater seeing I'm it open you, night like th- and it knocked me on my ass. I thought it was yeah, so fucking. Good. I think it's just because. Like I said, like me personally, I think a lot of people automatically hate things like remakes, no matter what. Even if it's someone they like doing the remake. So I think they automatically get a stigma. And then, I mean, that's just what I, I would think. I don't know. And then when you take a remake and then you turn that into your own sequel as well. I thought yeah, it was... I, think it's, I think it's twofold. I think it's because it's a, it's a remake, like Eric just said. And the fact that I think people just have it out for Rob Zombie. People yeah, that's true. shit about anything he makes without fucking watching it well just like in any scene or any any community like the horror community has people who are you know like elitists and and only want to stick to originals or only want to watch really obscure stuff so you know he kind (laughs) not to name names here but uh yeah so maybe that could be part of the stigma that shout out to dan so People also hate when they try something different in a franchise. They'll bitch and bitch and say they want to see something different, and then when they get it, they're like, "Can't we just go back to to the simple days?" Yeah, like That's if that the movie was same thing with music too. Yeah, yeah, if it was shot for like scene yeah, for scene, hundred percent agree with that. If it was scene for scene, an identical, you know, remake, people would bitch about that too. So, what I were it's brilliant how the the only portion of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 that takes place in a hospital is a, is a dream sequence, whereas Carpenter's uh, or Rosenthal's Halloween 2 the entire thing took place in the hospital. Yeah. Right. Now, what has been, have you guys because I've heard you know, horror fans attack this movie. It's obviously, the it's people who were probably hold the first, the first two original Halloweens Halloween 1, Halloween 2, the originals, uh, so near and dear that they kind of just already have it out for it. But I thought after I saw it, it was fucking, it knocked me out of my ass. It was so good. And then I saw, you know, the director's cut after that. And I thought that that was just as good. Um, And I thought it provided, I don't know, a new take on it. And it was more of like, like Eric said, it was more psychological than anything. Um... So it was, uh, what the fuck? This shit's not working. We lost John again. Either way. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's something that. Hey, you back? He's dark. Hey, I'm here. Okay, cool. Maybe I should try just phoning in with one of you guys and you just put me on speaker or something maybe it's because of the video that's what's causing the oh you think I yeah something... i'm thinking because the, the video the video is fucking us all right i'll call you yeah well shit, shit yeah we're recording when angle gets back i found something interesting online and i want to talk about it interesting does it have to do with h2 it's just a rob zombie hey you there Okay, cool. So I found it online. This is from 2016. Uh, Rob Zombie ranks his movies, actually. Ooh, this is, in- five. this is interesting. Mind you, this is before 31 came out, so... 
that be last. So these are his top five that in his in his eyes. I'm not going to read like his explanation, but just a quick. At number five, he puts House of a Thousand Corpses. Wow. At number yeah. four, he puts The Devil's Rejects. Wow. Three, he puts Halloween. Two, he puts Halloween two, and then number one, Lords of Salem. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Brian so, just gave us the Sammy Sosa fucking chest fucking pound. <laughs> so, so it looks like Brian and Rob both feel like Lords of Salem is his uh, best work. Um, that's pretty interesting. I was, try- I was trying to find out. That's what I was looking for. It was like what he felt of his, of his movies. And uh, it appears that uh, old Lords of Salem, number one in his eyes. That yeah. was or at four in uh, House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah, I know he... He has a different I, perspective. He's not though. very proud of House of He had a better experience, though, you said, on House, right? So that, that, yeah, that, yeah, he went through hell on that one. Lords of Salem, I know he had the most creative control over. Yeah, so that's probably... I mean, he obviously has a different take because he's coming from yeah, a filmmaker perspective. And yeah, he's looking at it from, like, probably, like, shooting and, like, all the financial stuff and, like, meeting with everybody, like, when it comes to studios. So I bet he's looking at it from maybe that perspective, too. Uh... In, in Halloween 2, he probably ranks higher than, you know, the original. But yeah, it's Halloween 2, obviously, there was, uh, that's where the wine scenes really fucked him and rushed, made him rush doing it, and the product turned out, I mean, obviously to our liking, but, um, he's, he's trashed the Weinsteins because they just, they, they forced him, they made cuts, they just fucking, they fucked him on that whole process, and he's been... He's been, uh, you know, <clears throat> pretty vocal about how bad they ran that, and and he said he would never work with them ever again, too. Yeah, I mean, especially now. <laughs> I don't, I don't. No one's lining up to work with them anymore. Yeah, I mean. But let's. I want to hear each one of your. I really want like a straight answer because I really want to try to understand why how someone could watch that Halloween too and not be, not look at it. I don't know. It's hard. Like, what, does anybody have any insight? Do you think why that movie is so? If you take the Michael Myers aspect out of it, I think Daniel Harris puts on maybe her best role. But I think that's the issue. Like we said, though, I think it's because, in my opinion, the only reason why you would hate that movie is because you're such a fan of the original and you don't want to touch. That's or you have some sort of personal. You hate Rob Zombie and you're not going to support anything he does. I mean, yeah, a lot of people really like are crazy about their hatred for Rob Zombie like it's weird I could never hate a filmmaker as much as people seem to hate him or as much as Sean seems to hate Melissa McCarthy <laughs> like no offense Sean but it's like what is going on in your life where you have so much hatred for like a celebrity that you've never met and they've never done anything to hurt you or anyone else. But that's what that's the world we live in too. When especially when it comes to like, you know, the art, like entertainment business, or like, like I said, in any community and like with the social media, like people hate just to hate. So that's the only thing I I can't come up with any sort of good explanation of like a scene or anything like that that would make me that I could say that why there's like a specific reason why you would hate that movie. Yeah. Now. The only, the only insight I can provide, there's just something I uh, I had read at some point. I, I know that a lot of the traditionalists were uh, were upset about the 
fact that uh, Michael uh, was unmasked, you know, for portions of the film. Are you there to beauty eat you? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, no, I just, I, I know that some of the traditionalists had t- took exception to the fact that, you know, uh, Michael was unmasked for, poor, you know, it was just Tyler Mayne's face for portions of the film, you know? Which they I love that, that. That in combination with the fact that, like, Eric said he was talking and things that, um, kind of killed it for people, I think. I know, but if you, that's the thing. Like, I love that he, like, differentiated his Michael Myers from the original so much. And people are, like, mad. I mean, one, the guy wasn't fucking kicking open the doors of Burger King and was like, Whopper! Like, he wasn't fucking, like, yelling stupid shit. Like, everything that I think the ca- character of Michael Myers did made sense. Right. Like, as far as Rob Zombie's version of Michael Myers. Oh, no, I agree. I just think people like Eric said they're fucking nitpickers today. I think they're yeah, um, the, the, the film the, the, the film going public. They're fucking everyone's a you know an armchair critic. Everyone's a cynic now. Um, everyone wants a reason to hate everything. It's like I respect any filmmaker that at least attempts to try to make something original. And granted, you can only make something original to an extent, you know, he's, he's remaking a film, but at the same time, I thought it was a pretty original take on it. Yeah, it's, uh, now what's, uh, what's everyone think about, obviously there's been a lot of rumors, I don't know if there's anything that's 100% confirmed, but there's a, you know, been a lot of rumors, and there's been posts with, a lot with Sid Haig and Bill Mosley together, um, that they're making a (laughs) follow-up to The Devil's Rejects. Now, what's everyone think about that as, you know, possibly Rob's uh, next film? I don't think it's necessary. I thought Devil's Rejects had a perfect ending. And I don't want to see him, like, take anything away from that ending. Because to to go back and say that they... Is it okay to give away spoilers? We're assuming everyone's seen Devil's Rejects. Yeah, if you haven't by now, I mean, you've had fucking almost Stop right now and go watch it and then come back and listen. Exactly. But... To, I mean, to go back and say that they survived at the end of The Devil's Rejects would kind of cheapen that ending for me big yeah. time. The ending was like... Uh, I don't know if it would cheapen it, because that it's been, it's had... That's the thing. For me, if they bring them back, I'll be okay with it. You want to know why? They've had We've had 13 years to soak in and enjoy and, and think about that ending as them going out in a hell of gunfire. It, enough times went by where it's not going to be like, well, it's fucking ruined... Devil's Rejects for me. I'm never going to watch that again with the same kind yeah. of fucking... I mean, I'm kind of in between, yeah. but I do think that scene is like... Just oh, like it's looks, the... It's like Skinnered and like so epic. Oh, yeah, that is the, one like of the best. It's like an epic ending, and like I will say it would take away from it, but again, I'm not going to like... I love that he... this movie now because... But I do think maybe I'd rather see him try to tackle another original idea, but I, will, I mean, his last two original ideas, it seems like some people... Uh, don't, you know, people hate 31 and, and, you know, I I didn't think that Lords of Salem was, uh, I'm still, I would still love to see Tyrannosaurus Rex or, um, Brushy Bullies? Yes. But, yeah, I mean, I was really excited for, if I could say the Brushy Bullies thing, I mean, I like hockey and just to know that he was gonna tackle, like, something way out of his element. Right. I mean, I know he's a huge hockey fan, 
um, which I don't think a lot of people know, but yes, Rosnov is a huge, huge hockey fan. Uh, but that would have been really cool to see him do that. And I, he was at, I don't know how far that got into it, but I know that he was like... He, he, it was going to happen. Yeah, like, and he was at, like, in Philadelphia, like, in, like, like, like doing a bunch of research and, like, going through a whole bunch of, like, uh, just, like, old team memorabilia, like, at the, like, Wells Fargo Center, I know. Like, so I, I, he was doing a lot of, you know, in-depth work for it, so... Yeah. I don't know how far along it got, but... I mean, if if he can't get funding for it, I'm sure he can get crowd... If they crowdfunded 31, I'm pretty sure people will put down yeah. money for Broad Street Bulls. Yeah. Or for Tyrannosaurus Rex. I want... So, uh, maybe I'm just... Maybe I just need to get over it, but I still want to see those... I mean, I'm going to support anything that we can get Haig and, and Mosley and anybody into. Obviously, I want to see, yeah. like, see those guys on the screen as much as possible, so... Sherry Moon is baby again. John, what's your thoughts on the possible follow-up to Devil's Rejects? Well, I just think that uh, Rob is uh, in a precarious position in in his career right now because I think 31 was universally canned by everybody, kind of. Even uh, even left the most hardcore Rob Zombie fans a little bit jaded, and so I think he's got added pressure on him now to uh, to uh, create something. Uh, Yay! <laughs> trying to podcast here. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's going back to the he's going back to the well. That's exactly I was say, why yeah, I mean, he's going back going to the old well things. because it's a proven commodity. I think that of all his films, those have been, not necessarily by us, but, you know, we, we love them too, but those have been his most universally acclaimed films have been, uh, you know, particularly Devil's Rejects. I, I think that, um, yeah, that's, that, that's a surefire way to attract his, his to, to regain his fan base, I think. Uh, obviously, we're always going to support anything he does. We're going to go see it. He's one of the only original people in the genre. I honestly, I find it, I know we, we, we kind of reiterated this earlier, or I'm going to reiterate it now, but we talked about it earlier, about how you aren't a music, you weren't ever introduced to his music, really, and you're, uh, you know, a big Rob Zombie fan of his, you're a fan of his films, and I think it's funny, because I don't know if I, I would have found his films uh, eventually, but I definitely would have, wouldn't have been as in tuned with him if it wasn't for the music, so it's really interesting that you would stumbled upon him and you're such a such a fan uh of his films without being a music fan of his yeah i i I just respect anybody in you know obviously the horror genre is is a pretty beloved genre of all of ours and uh and i just respect anybody who's attempting to do anything uh original in that genre uh you know and and everyone will people argue that and say well he's you know he's remade his big breakthrough is remaking a film whatever but uh i just think that there are love them or hate them there's there's very few of the you know the adam greens or the rob zombies the, the, the guys the alex ajas the guys that are you know actually trying to breathe some life into the the modern horror genre so i i, I definitely respect him for for that yeah i mean uh so uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I, well said. If uh, 
We'll end this uh, with each uh, each person saying their favorite scene in any of his films. Brian, favorite Come scene back to me. I gotta think. Okay, Eric, favorite scene in any uh, of his films. I gotta say the probably the party scene in, in H two O with Captain Clark playing H two O or H two O. I'm sorry, H two O. That's probably just. I know it's not maybe a really important scene. But I just think it's a really cool... It's got a good vibe to it. Awesome part of the movie. Other than that, maybe uh, like some of the banter scenes in uh, The Devil's Rejects when it's just the three of them like, just with the dialogue there. I think yeah. The dialogue in that movie and the one-liners in like, Devil's Rejects is kind of what makes it. like Not makes it, but the way they deliver, the way Sid Haig delivers and the way Mosley delivers, on, like you were talking about earlier, with the, just some of his one-liners... So that was probably, I just love watching those guys mesh well as actors and the and the hilarious dialogue. And it's almost like they're saying the most fucked up shit, but it's like still, it's like light, almost lighthearted at the time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's wicked messed up, but you're almost like, you're laughing. Because Bill Mosley's so like, he's actually, besides when he's like goes crazy, he's pretty like soft spoken. So to hear him be like, huh, oh, he doesn't want rust the barrel. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then uh, maybe my honorable mention will be the golden shower scene in H2 because that girl is smoking hot. (laughs) Even dressed as Tim Curry. Oof. Oof. John, favorite scene in any Rob Zombie film? Um, You know, honestly, what comes to mind, it's not my favorite Rob Zombie film, but there's so many memorable scenes, I feel like, in, uh, in, in his first Halloween film. I love uh, Ken Frey's Big Joe Grizzly scene at the truck stop. Classic. Uh, yeah, I, I think just just everything about that, the atmosphere and, you know, um, just Ken Frey's line, Big Joe Grizzly are great. And then he's the only one that really uh, uh, sort of even stands, a, a ch- even though it was only for like a, a moment, a split moment in time, the only one really that's ever stood up to Michael and been able to match him power-wise, you know? Yeah, he um, definitely put up the best fight, for sure. So that, that I like that one. And I also like, um, I know I talked to Brian about this not that long ago. Um, it, I, I forget which version it even is, but, you know, the, the in the asylum, when Michael's escaping... And uh, the the guys are watching Night of the Living Dead on the on the the guards are watching Night of the Living Dead on the screen there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I love that. And uh, you know, he tosses them aside, and then when, just that like slow mo. Not even slow mo, but he's slowly walking across uh, the yard of the asylum as he's escaped. You know, he has his jack o' lantern mask on or whatnot. I just thought that was you know freaking great. Yeah, that must be the theatrical cut because I don't even remember. Yeah, I haven't is. seen the theatrical cut since two thousand seven. It's yeah. but you, you guys remember that though, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I do. He, like wiped out Bill Mosley and whatever you know those other guards. Yep. Tom Powell, and then he he comes down and they're freaking watching Night of the Living Dead. It's just like this scene's just great. Gotta love that public domain. Brian, favorite scene? Well, no it? big surprise here. My favorite scene is in Lords of Salem, <laughs> um, and. It's the iconic scene where, you know, Sherry Moon's all cracked out 
and D. Wallace, Judy Geeson, and Pat Quinn show up, and, and they take her in the chair, and they're bringing her towards apartment number five. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing their, their satanic chant or whatever. Then she gets up and walks into the room, and then it's, like, this big, like, majestic theater, and Requiem by Mozart is blasting, and she's got that iconic makeup on. Yeah. That Caroline Williams wore for Halloween uh-huh. this past year. Then she walks up the stairs, and then, like, Satan, I think it's supposed to be, shows up, and he's, like, this little, like, satanic Yoda type guy. Yeah, he looks like a Cenobite. I think it's kind of laughable, <laughs> but at the same time, it's also kind of like what an interesting yeah take on what Satan would look like. That's throwback to me. That felt very eighties. That like part for some reason. Yeah, and then he impregnates her in the most confusing and interesting way. <laughs> of course. So, I guess my two top my two top ones. One's an obvious ones, and and one's not so much. Uh, uh, the obvious one is obviously the ending for Devil's Rejects. Uh, I think the real craft of that whole movie is cutting and editing that scene to the entire song of Freebird without editing Freebird yeah. down at all. And then my absolute favorite scene, for whatever reason, is Sheriff Brackett, Annie, and Lori having dinner and, and <laughs> Sheriff Brackett's talking about why, you know... We're st- why is why was Marvin st- why was Marvin starving? Yeah. And he talks about Lee Marvin and that whole scene just shows you what gr- what a great actor Brad Dorf is beyond being the voice of Chucky. Yeah, and how like fun he is and how like natural that scene seemed and like how like entertained they all seemed. It didn't seem like acting at all, and that that's my favorite scene. It's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, I, I love it so much because it's just so so funny and it's a nice break. Yeah, I agree. Spe- what about say- that that scene that you always quote from H two uh, at the end there with uh, after you know Annie's been killed and Brad Dourif goes off on Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> oh, and he's like, I'm gonna shoot him. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like he's just intense gonna, in that scene. I was just gonna say that I swear to you that. Uh, the Dora scenes with Malcolm McDowell at the end of that are like well, really, really great scenes. So he definitely hits like a what he's like. <laughs> he hits like another level with those scenes, like just being so angry oh, oh, and, yeah. and sad. He's like, get him the fuck out of here! Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. But uh, I mean, yeah, that uh, that about does it. This was a. Uh, I will say this was a great topic. Uh, because, you know, we've all, you've done, we've discussed, you know, Romero and Carpenter and all the other. Hope yeah, Cooper. I mean, there's so, like, obviously, um, like, our big, like, thing is, like, a lot of 80, like, the classic, yeah. the golden age of horror, 80s, 70s, like, slasher films, like, those are, like, the easiest to cover because they're so much fun and they're widely acceptable, but it's nice to dive into stuff that's kind of a little, uh, I, I don't know, polarizing. Yeah, topics yeah. And, and people that are a little more polarizing because he is he is a polarizing guy he's a polarizing filmmaker uh so it's uh it's cool to show some love to his films when you know in a world where people just want to preach negativity and and hate towards things <laughs> i think any horror movie that does well or brings some any original horror movie that's being made you know especially as good as 
you know, like a Lords of Salem or like a Devil's Rejects, uh, you know, you got to accept it and, and love it and support it because they, you know, one's uh, good for all. High tide raises all ships. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, like you said, you don't, you don't hear many uh, tribute st- things to Rob, so it was, it was cool to do. And like I said, I'm maybe not the biggest fan of every single scene in every single movie, but I definitely love his films. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how he's remembered when he does stop filmmaking, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, uh, it's going to be, uh, he's obviously, he's 52 now, so he could, uh, he's a healthy young man, so uh, he's still fitting in all those uh, retro disco clothes for his live set. So I think exactly. he's going to, I think he's going to be around for a while, hopefully. Yeah, and I'm eager to see him do more more things, you know, hopefully... Like Engel said, you know, he's in a kind of a weird situation right now where he's crowdfunded his last two movies and he, you know, his last movie didn't really, wasn't, was not really a success. Success commercially, I feel like you'd have to be like, a, I feel like a lot of the really big Rob Zombie fans like love it. and uh, It actually did do well as far as video sales. Right. Lords of Salem wasn't crowdfunded, was it? No, I don't know. No, I just, so. well, I meant it was the last one, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. But nevertheless, guys, thanks for doing this i I could talk for another hour about lords of salem guys but i i won't so if you want to do a separate a part two lords of salem yeah yeah bt breaks down lords of jesse and i are gonna do a commentary i'll do a commentary with you let's do a lords of salem commentary. i'm down let's do it you gotta actually come over and see me more than once every three months though bro i'm right down the road instagram at brian the reckless yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting to tell you guys that you would love my Instagram page. I'm Brian the Reckless, named after Reggie the Reckless from Friday Thirteenth Part Five. Well, I didn't think you would have to tell them. And you can find Eric Scott Tyler on Instagram at Eric Scott Tyler. Eric Scott Tyler. And you can find John on Instagram at some West Carpenter flick. Screen That's four the reference. Best name out of all of us, I think. Definitely. Not a, not a Scream Four, just a Scream reference. Yeah. Is did that... you say Scream 4? Oh, wait, no. Rose McGowan says that, right? Yeah. Why did I think Hayden Pantieri said that? They're both blondes. She's supposed to be a throwback to her character, right? I know. We should do a Scream episode. Oh, we, def- we definitely got to do it. That's going to be one where we're all in the same room together when we cover the Scream, Scream franchise. Movies. That'd be awesome. That'd be fun. Found them. Absolutely. We probably could get David Arquette to show up. Yeah, part three is Brian's favorite, right? <laughs> I can't wait to yep. rip apart Rose McGowan. <laughs> I say we call David Arquette and see if we can he'll sit in on a, sit in with us. Oh, he definitely would. Former WCW champ. Well, you should have fucking got Moe's dog to, to sit in on this one. He freaking uh, he is a fan and follower of the Heart God Media podcast. He does. Bill Mosley does follow the Heart God Media Instagram. Page. I should you know try to get Bill on. I actually think we could get Jamie Kennedy though. <laughs> he probably could because he looks just like John. <laughs> Who is it? Jamie Kennedy. We're, we're coming for all the celebs now. Oh, Jamie we're coming, Kennedy? Bill, we're coming for you, Bill. We're coming for uh, for everyone. We're, we're coming gonna, for you, Barbara. We're coming for you, Barbara. I actually said <laughs> we need to get Rose McGowan. Maybe busy. we could. I'll buzz her. Like I'll buzz her head. Give her an hour to talk about her bad shit, crazy shit. Her Pornhub videos. Uh, yeah, I think we should uh, We should definitely. She's on Pornhub? <laughs> We're just rambling now, but no, we really should try to get some uh, some guests like that. Anyway, 
Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Peace, John. And that is it for the uh, Rob Zombie episode of the Art Guy Media Podcast. 2018. 2018. John is officially handling his barking dog, and he's definitely hitting Pornhub for those Rose McGowan videos. And he's probably buzzing his own head as well as his dog's head right now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, the next episode is dropping this weekend. It's going to be the Ramones Part 2 podcast covering... 1984 to the end of the Ramones career in 1996. Uh, I'll be doing that with uh, Lou again, uh, live and in person. So that'll be uh, that'll be a good time. I've been waiting about three months to do that part two for our st- schedules to line up. I'm actually gonna travel out to the capital city to hang with the capital city Smiths themselves and uh, discuss the Ramones and uh, get some grub out there and hit, maybe hit a record store or something. Uh, but yeah, you can find us at HeartGuide Media on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to rate and review the podcast, uh, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, give us a follow on SoundCloud. You can hear it on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, and yeah, hit us up. Uh, give us a follow. Repost uh, our post. Try to get the word out on this. We're going to try to go bigger and better this year with, uh, with the podcast. So... Hopefully everybody has enjoyed it thus far. And, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, for tuning in. It's much appreciated.